Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your co-host, Robert the Duke Fedoric. And I am Corey, CJ Wesley. All right, CJ, what are we talking about today? All right, Duke, today we're going to talk about the role of the implementer, specifically in the ServiceNow ecosystem, right? What does it look like? What do you do? Corey and I just reviewed some of our materials the other day and realized that, hey, we've done an episode on architects, we've done an episode on admins, and we've done an episode on BAs. And especially with that BA episode, at least for me, I was strongly advocating that, you know, if you are a BA, you should look strongly into being an implementer or an admin. So here we are on the implementer episode. (laughs) Absolutely. And I'll tell you, this one's one of the episodes that I've had the most fun with just kind of talking back and forth with you about how we're going to do it, how we're going to frame it. What is even the difference offline, right? So hopefully, you know, when we put this thing down on wax... A lot of that value will come through and hopefully folks will get a lot of value out of it like I did. Let's start off maybe by what what we say when we are saying implementer. And so at least from my perspective, it is somebody who has a process expertise. Well, two yeah. things, a process expertise and the understanding of how the tool does the process, Man. right? So you can have a PM that can go into a PMO and talk to the PMO about PM stuff. Preach. (laughs) But doesn't mean anything in terms of a ServiceNow deployment until you could say, well, here's also how we plan our costs for the year, plan our resources for the year, you know, actualize costs, all this stuff. Like all of these plays are in a playbook for a process. And it's like, how do I do each of these things? And so when we say implementer, it's like you can roughly equivalent to the CIS certs, but more basically, more broadly, we're talking about somebody who can take a process, talk to those process people and deliver them a solution on ServiceNow that exists on ServiceNow. Yes. And talk to them in their language, right? Like I want to be very specific about that, right? Mm -hmm. Because you want to, you have to be able to speak the language of the process people that you're interfacing with, right? And not make them speak your language. I think that's one of the key uh, skill differentiators for a a good implementer. Preach, man. Lesson numero uno. If you want to look at the CIS, you must speak the language. It's hard. It's very hard to learn how the tool works without the context of the language these people speak. And not just the words they say, but the things that keep them up at night. Yeah. If you think about it, let's take the most rudimentary of these, right? Like ITSM. And you think about going in as an ITSM implementer, you need to actually know what IT does. You need to know what an incident is and all facets of how an incident moves through the process, right? Like why does the service desk use an incident? Why does the business require an incident be generated? Why is management, what is management concerned with around an incident? That brings you to things like metrics and key performance indicators and reporting. All of that stuff starts to get teased out as you really start to dive into like why incident? Like, and so you have to know how to communicate with the folks who are doing these tasks and talking in this language, but might not necessarily be using this product. Because you got to take that stuff and then move it to the product. So you got to be able to do that mapping. Man, I almost think that's so strong that it's it deserves its own point. Like it's one <laughs> thing, it's one thing to understand how incident works, right? Right. Like you can go through the mechanics. This is how it works. But to understand the outcome, like what and why are we doing this? Right. <laughs> you know the outcomes that can be achieved if you do it right. Absolutely. Like, Absolutely. So, 
if, if number one is you have to know the language, number two is you have to know the outcomes. Like what literally keeps these people up at night? What makes them sweat? What is going to make you look like a hero if you deliver to them? And I guarantee you, it's not just like uh, set up this category tree the way we used to do it. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and, and let's let's take the category tree, dude, because I know that's your favorite thing in the world. Favorite. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But let's take the category tree and, and when and when your client comes to you and say, OK, so we got these categories, subcategories, et cetera, right, that we need to put in this new tool. You need to know how to talk to them and say, OK, well, have you considered the CMDB? <laughs> you know, no. and, and no. if you don't know, like the purpose of category and subcategory, which is essentially just to basically add reporting points around an incident and do categorization. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know that ServiceNow actually has a better method of doing that called the CMDB, which allows you to do object oriented categorization, which is much better than flat file oriented categorization. I'm going real too deep. I'm going to I'm going to back out here. My point is, right. Is that because I know this, right, and I speak this language, I can talk to them about the value, the outcome, right, mm-hmm. that they're trying to get out of this and reframe it and redirect them to best practice on the platform. That's what implementers do. Yeah. And I would say that the difference between a pre-implementer or yeah. a non-implementer and an implementer is if you told each of them, you have to build a scope of work for this job, right? the pre slash non-implementer is going to say something like do reporting in the scope. Yep. Right. Versus an implementer will have maybe even an extra workshop before the sale is done. What are the outcomes we are pushing towards here? And therefore, we know what reports we're going to make at the end of it or by the end of it. Right. Yeah. What do you want the reports to tell you? Right. Yeah. What what are they driving? If this is a report that's just numbers on a page that you just send into a mailbox somewhere so somebody can check a box, that's one thing. Okay, I get it. But if you're actually doing this stuff from the perspective of what ITSM is supposed to deliver, right? Like that report is supposed to do something. It's supposed to tell you something about what you're doing so that you can make some sort of decision, right? And then it goes back into the process to repeat again, right? So you got to know that, right? You can't just say do, do reporting, right? And here's your five incident reports. And thank you. And mm-hmm. Duke, I know you've got a lot of <laughs> I know you've got a like a lot of perspective on, on reporting and how that kind of drives a lot of processes or the absence of it drives a lot of processes. Well, I appreciate that, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got two of the three pillars here. You have to speak yeah. the language and you must know the desired outcome for the process. But then the last yeah. one, and I can't say this enough, is like you literally, you have to know how the tool actually works. Ooh, right? Well, almost hard. <laughs> Well, I mean, okay, so there was a bunch of people last year that came to me asking me advice about different niches that they're trying to get into in the ServiceNow world, right? Yeah. One of them was ITOM. And it was shocking to me how few understood that ITOM was like very deep tech. So I have to imagine someone gave them a menu. Here's things that you can specialize in, but they were not given, here's how the tool actually works. Yeah, they've given acronyms, but without... Yeah, without the rest of it. Yeah, like IT operations management sounds like it could be some kind of like, you know, mid-tier managing people moving position, right? Absolutely. But then when you find out, here's how ITOM works in ServiceNow, like mid-servers and network protocols and security and authentication and... Extensive, (laughs) extensive IT knowledge. That's right. Like to the point where Robert Fedorik's like, nah... (laughs) (laughs) not my thing not my game let me let me give you my friend Corey's number right Um, (laughs) yeah i love itom but yeah 
so, but you know what I mean, right? Like the, you have to know how the tool actually works. And yeah. so I think maybe I'll take this moment too, to encourage those who keep asking about how do I pass this CIS, write a playbook for the process user who's going to use this out of the box, write the playbook, right? In ITBM, that would be like, how do I determine what becomes a project and what becomes other work? How do I determine if I'm going to do this thing at all? And when I'm going to do it, how do I figure out the cost, schedule, scope, resources, risks, issues before it even becomes a project? When it does become a project, how do I plan out a work breakdown structure? How do I plan my costs? How do I plan my resources? How do I control risks, issues, decisions, actions, and changes? Like write the playbook. And then once you've written the playbook, make sure that you can demonstrate each of those things. And once you're at that point, it's like, go write the exam because you could probably ace it. Duke, just from that right there, I could tell you've done quite a few ITBM implementations, what? right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but let me use that to just reinforce the things that we've just said, right? Like you obviously speak the language. You can tell just from what you were just saying that you can talk to the PMO about PM things, right? Mm -hmm. You know the desired outcomes. You just talk through quite a few of them, right? So that means when you're talking to the PMO about PM things, you can help them prioritize the things that they want to build. And you know how the tool works because you just delivered <laughs> a speech on how to write the exam. <laughs> that whole little speech you just gave, right, which I think was so full of value, just is illustrative of what an, a good implementer needs to know in order to be a good implementer. <laughs> yeah. And so there you are, folks. If you're out there and you're looking at niches in ServiceNow, Start at the very beginning. If you're remotely interested in HR, if you're remotely interested in GRC, SecOps, whatever, A, find people who speak that language, B, figure out what keeps them up at night, and C, as you study the tool, start writing out the playbook. This is how it is used from front to back. You just said something that was really cool right there, like find people that speak the language, right? I don't know that a lot of people even think in those terms when dealing with ServiceNow. I think they approach it more from an IT perspective and finding people who speak the language is typically not something that IT folks do. You don't go out and sit down with HR and say, hey, can you teach me about HR so that I can be a better IT person for you? Like, I mean, that in my experience, that hasn't been something I've seen. What about you, Duke? I've always called myself the least technical person in IT, right? Right. And I've used that to my advantage, that and all the Dungeons and Dragons I played in high school to just like role play what it might be. <laughs> D20, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Just role play for a second what it would be like to be that person in their job, like what motivates them, what keeps them up at night. And so it's a thing of like, I don't consider myself IT. I just consider myself a person who solves problems. Yeah. Right. With these tools. And so when I come into a place where I don't know, I don't know their world, the first thing I do is just let's get neck deep in your world. Listen actively. Right. But in my mind, like I'm constructing a character and I'm just like trying to live it out. How awful is it that I have to deal with that? What am I really worried about? And then if I can, this is getting like way out to the edge here, right? Then if I can, I'm trying to imagine what the person who's telling me this, what their blind spot might be. Right. So you might have a PMO who's all about, oh, we're so excited. We really want to start tracking costs in service now. And I'm like, yeah, what, what about tracking risks too? Because <laughs> yeah. like the reason a risk is a risk is because it's a potential cost. So why track this thing as we think it's going to cost this much if you also know, but it also might cost this much if. Right. So I and like to just imagine, imagine in advance how I can solve the problem before the problem, if that makes any sense. 
No, I, I love that. And I love the fact that I love having that conversation with the folks who actually do the work too, because they can then expose the parts of the system that you don't necessarily yeah. know or that anyone knows, right? I'm going to use shadow IT here, but it's, I'm using it in a different way, right? There's, and, and to me, it's like the parts of the process that aren't immediately known. And so there's always going to be that stuff that's outside of the lines, that coloring outside the lines that somebody yeah. somewhere is doing and not reporting back that they're doing it, but they have to, to move everything forward, right? Yep. You can't get there without talking to folks. No doubt. Yeah. yeah. So we've talked a little bit about speak the language and know the outcomes. We've talked a little bit about how you might go about doing that, but how do you go about figuring out how the tool actually works? Ooh, that's a good one, right? So one of the main things I do is get a PDI, right? <laughs> that's yeah. probably like my first stop on this is to is developer.servicenow.com and I'm going to spin up a PDI and I'm going to jump in there. I'm going to get neck deep in this stuff, right? Like I want to I want to sink a swim because I basically I just want to be able to go in and play around without caring if I blow it up or not, right? If the instance stops working fine, I'll refresh and we'll do it again. So that's probably the first place I start. What about you, Duke? The first place I would start is like, go to now learning, go to docs, read as much as I can about how it can work, right? See, that was my number two. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) I I would take it in that order, right? It's like, especially with, I know there's simpler, ah, gosh, how do I want to describe this? ITBM is pretty complicated. Like there's just tons of record types that are involved and lots of dependency and cascading consequences, right? Right. Like if you enter a time card and you were associated to a resource plan by just putting in a time card, you may have been populating actualized costs on both a cost plan and a resource plan. And you would never have known that it did that just by entering a time card. So I want to know what's the doctrine. So go to now learning, go through the course. If it's available, read docs as much as you can, and then tear that hood open and start like getting your hands in the gears. All right. So yeah. your number your number one is my number two. But we both agree that that element is of utmost importance. Yeah. Whether you do it, jump into the instance first and then hit docs and, and now learning second or hit docs and now learning first and jump into the instance second. Right. Like those two things are paramount. Those form the baseline of getting to know how the tool works. And you can't know and understand how the tool works without doing those two things. Yeah. Right. You can't cheat. And understand this, too. There is like there. Oh man, I I completely understand the urge to find this, right? But the holy grail of the ServiceNow world is some document that tells me the path that gets me to the point where I know this, quote unquote. Right. right. Everybody wants the roadmap. How do I learn ITBM the roadmap? You can't. Yeah. It's the same thing. How do I learn? A, how do I learn to be an electrician? The roadmap. How do I learn how to be a plumber? The roadmap. It's like there is only so much doctrine that you can read about, but true capability only comes from time in the trenches. A great plumber is somebody who has seen the 100 different ways, a cl- like you can get a drain clock or, can- or knows that a plumber's wrench is way better 99 times out of 100 than a regular wrench because he's been there, done that. She's been there, done that. Getting capable by doing this on the P, don't worry about an optimized learning path. Just get in harm's way and see some real weird stuff. And you do that enough times, all of a sudden you're an expert in it. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is, right? Expertise is just accumulated experience. Boom. They're like, see, they could have just listened to you for five words. Instead, they had to listen to me rant for 
<laughs> got some nuggets I spit out occasionally, man, you know? <laughs> it, all, it all depends on how much hip-hop I listened to before we record it. <laughs> You're like the TLDR the of all my rants. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, but that's absolutely perfect. And I, the one thing I'll add to that, too, is that use cases are everywhere, right? Like, so we've talked about this in previous episodes about how you can look and you can find, like, outside-the-box processes when you want to build. But let me tell you about use cases that you can find that relate directly to processes, right? Mm-hmm. Community. If you oh, go to yeah. community and, and there's this really nice structure in community where things are delineated by category, right? You jump into a, you know, into one of those, those groups, those forums, right? People are complaining all the times about stuff they can't do. And if you got your own instance, you can go in there and start trying to do those things. You might not know what's an interesting problem to solve at ITBM, right? But somebody's got an interesting problem in ITBM that they posted about on community, right? And all of a sudden, now you can try to reverse engineer how they got to that point. Yeah, like, and it's a guarantee. It's a guaranteed real, real problem too, because they're not right. coming to community to post it unless they are either trying to implement it themselves or they're, or they're a partner trying to implement it. You're just like, hey, I need help understanding how you do this. Okay, so it's just like even if you don't know the answer, write the thing that's happening into your playbook. Absolutely, and then go build it. Right, to go, yeah, go or play figure with it out. Go, go figure, it, figure out. it out. Right, figure out yep. how it works. Yeah, because it's not the solution's not always build, right? It's just no. You just understand that it works this way. And here's one. Here's one last kind of dimension to that as well, because it might not just be a technical problem they're posting about. It might be a process problem. You might not understand yes. the process, but now you have something that you can take to someone who does understand this particular process and talk to them about it, right? And so mm-hmm. now you're not teach me ITBM and sitting, you know, in the garden as they kind of pontificate about it. You're saying. Teach me how work breakdowns work in this way and why you would use it and blah, blah, blah. Right. This is a lot more targeted. This could be a lot more useful to them and to you. All right. Preach. (laughs) 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 But I mean, it's it's all out there. Right. Like, and I get it. Right. There's so much out there that it's hard to find the path. Sometimes this is the path. We're we're laying down the path right now. Or it's like, you know. Or maybe there isn't one. It's just, where's the path when they drop you in the middle of the Amazon with a machete? And it's just like, oh, where's the path that I go to? Well, I mean, you could look for one, but you can also just start hacking. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) grab that machete, just go forge your own path. Like hitting the smaller one is going to move faster. Kind of stretching this metaphor a little bit, but you, no, you, no, no, dude. Because here, here's my thing, right? Because I can guarantee them, right? If they get dropped in the middle of the Amazon and they start hacking and they're looking for something, eventually, if they hack enough, they're going to run into a CJ and the Duke episode that's going to teach them how to do it. There's getting, there's enough of them now. Like <laughs> <laughs> we're the side post by the road and by the abandoned road or the overgrown road, right? Like in the middle of the Amazon that nobody's seen in a hundred years. You're gonna go. You're gonna come upon a sign that's gonna say, "Go that way." That's us. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of kind of like a recurring theme with us, though, is to just trust trust that when you're putting in the work, putting your hands in the gears. Oh man, too many metaphors. But when you're actually working <laughs> with the tool, you are going to get better than it. And there are yeah. I've seen too many times people who are like paralyzed with a fear. Like I have an unoptimized learning path. So what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can get a learning path. You can have a bad learning path. But you're going to yeah. find out faster and react better when you're actually taking steps. So it's not the optimized learning path. It's just learn. Be that <laughs> <Yeah. one. laughs> no, no, no doubt, Duke. I think that's important. But I, you know what else I think is important, right, is 
the soft skills that go along with being a good implementer. Oh man, right. you beat me to it. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cause we, we know, right. The, what the prerequisites are. Right. And we know that one of them is that we need to learn the process. And so we give you some tips there and you need to learn how service now works around the process and works in general. Right. So we talked a little bit about that, but there's also, that's, that's the platform, right? That's the platform that you're going to build upon your soft skills are what going to take you to the next level, right. In terms of being able to connect with the folks that you're implementing for so that you can properly convey that value. Right. And so my first one, right, is Massive technical difficulties there. So for you, it's only been a couple seconds, but for us, it's been 15 extraordinarily stressful minutes. <laughs> oh, man. Thought we lost this whole episode, dude. Ooh, it was like, we vibing, man. Such a roll. Oh, <laughs> lost all that. Oh, <sighs> that would have sucked so bad. <laughs> but here we are. <laughs> Everything's okay. Everything's good. We're back in, we're back in your ear, and uh, we're going to continue. You made the intro for soft skills. And so the first soft skill I think the implementer has to have is to be able to do workshop leadership, not participation. You should have the confidence in deploying these processes on tools such that yeah. you can walk in and lead it. And yep. again, I'll give you the example from SPM, ITBM. I go in and I basically do a really long product demo. And I yep. showcase, here's how we do each of these processes. How do you do those today? Does this look better? Does it look worse? Write down where they feel stressful. Write down where they think you could get big wins. And it sets you up for the whole implementation. But if you can't do that, you're not fully there yet. You can be certified, but when you're fully there as an implementation expert, you should be able to do that. Absolutely, Duke. You got to be able to lead the workshop. You got to be able to walk folks down that line. You got to be able to walk them from start to finish through the process, you know, in terms of where they're messing up and value they want to get out of it and, and things like that. Right. And mm -hmm. if you can't go in that room and command the attention and get folks on board with you and get them tuned in, then you need to work on that. I'm telling yeah. you, you know, this is just one of those skills that you have to have to be an implementer. It's not, it's non-negotiable really. Yeah. And it's not that hard to get either. I would say, remember how we said earlier in the episode, it's like, if you concentrate on building a really sweet playbook that kind of overlays the things that they do in a process with the way they do them in service now, you're like three quarters of the way there. The only thing you lack is the confidence of doing it once or twice. Yeah. So Duke, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit on this one, right? Because I think that last quarter, I agree with you about three quarters of the way there. That last quarter is hard though. That last quarter is public speaking, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I think I read a survey somewhere that most of America has this fear of talking in front of people. And so that part of it, I think is where a lot of the difficulty comes in. And what I will say is that there are a ton of books out there. There are a ton of YouTube videos, but what they all distill down to is that this is a muscle that you have to exercise. Bingo. Right. It's a skill yep. you got to learn. You just you got to practice it in order to get there. It's just not something you're born with. A lot of people think, well, this person's just naturally gifted at talking to folks in a room. It's you, you got to work at it. You do you the same way you have to learn the ServiceNow platform. You have to learn public speaking as well. Right. So it's kind of like a two prong thing that you got to solve there. Right. You got to get your public speaking up, but you also have to have your like, what are you going to run a workshop on? You're going right. to run it off of the playbook that you understand about how the process works. Absolutely. Right. All right. What other soft skills we got to take on here? 
role playing Duke, right? And you talked a lot about this and some of those prerequisites in, in terms of like, you know, how to learn a process and things like that, but role playing the process and, un- and so you can get a better understanding of the process itself, right? Nobody, if you're in IT, you probably don't know how HR works. You might think, you know how HR works in the places where HR touches you, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a million processes behind the veil that they're not sharing with you. But if you're trying to build them a system of record, then you actually need to know what they're doing behind the veil. There's no way to know that without actually role playing with them in terms of like, what are you doing here? Let me sit in your shoes. Let me understand what's going on. Let me let me feel your pain. And so I can internalize that and mesh it with my knowledge so that then we can spit out some value. Man, there's a trick I use that helps me navigate those situations where there's a big deviation, right? And I think too many people just will tell a customer, oh, it's not good practice. Do it this way. Right. But they forget the fact that the customer's already in homeostasis, right? If you left them alone for a million years, they'd still be doing that, that thing. Yeah. So you can't, you can't just say it's bad practice, do something else. What energy is going to keep them in the something else? So a role-playing tactic is to just... In your mind, play it out. Assume they are right. Yeah. Like play it out in your mind. You are them. You're doing it this way. Why might that be? Like, oh, what man. is it that got them to the point where this was the only option available to them? Man, and from that, exactly. And that will build up a sympathy, at least to where they are coming from. And yep. it shows when you tell them, assuming you're right now. Now you have the world, you have at least a shared worldview to, to base off. Like, I understand it's hard here, here, and here because you have this reality around you. But if we tweak these variables, you're going to get these gains. What you're describing, right, is building the authority to say no. In these situations, you're, as a consultant, one of your primary jobs is to be able to say no to your client because that's why they hired you. They don't know where no and where yes. They don't know the lines that delineate the borders of no and yes. They want everything. They don't know what they shouldn't want, blah, 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 right? And and you as the expert, as the consultant, have to come in and be able to tell them no with authority. And when I say no with authority, what I mean is just what you just said, yeah. Duke, like that empathy, right? And that understanding of what how their current process is working and what they're doing and why they're doing it. So then you can tell them no but. Right. Or you can just tell them flat out. No. And that, you know, either way, it gives you a shared understanding so that they understand so that they accept your opinion on these things. I want to vibe off that for one second, because it's also the point at which you can be sure that you need to build something custom. Yeah. Sometimes the answer is not. No. Like I told this story a bunch of times on the channel is I had an ITBM client pre Paris. So there was no such thing as time card days. There was only time card weeks. And they're using time cards to reconcile between the third-party labor provider's billing and what they saw come in via time cards. And what are you supposed to say? No, you can't reconcile your labor costs. (laughs) And, and, And... and that's best practice. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, yeah. They'll best practice a boot so far up your butt, you're going to taste shoe leather. Yeah, man. Right? Like, you, <laughs> you, you got it right. Like, absolutely. Like, absolutely. Right? Like, they don't care about best practice when it gets in the way of doing the thing that their company needs to do or the line of business needs to do. Right? Like, that value needs to get created. Right? And they don't care that, you know, some manual somewhere says you can't do it, right? Or that the tool isn't necessarily right. doing it out of the box. That's right, because the tool can't, like, 
the tool does not start and end at best practice. It does not. It can do things on purpose far beyond best practice. It is missing stuff of terrible gravitas <laughs> and import. <laughs> that is best practice. <laughs> you, you know, so you can't, you know what I mean? Like I, I, I say this in full love of service now, but it is not the perfect solution across the board all the time, everywhere. Well, it's well, the, the reason why we can build on it. <laughs> I don't think ServiceNow is trying to build every use case out, right? Like out of the box, Bingo. right? Like they're, they're trying to give you a pretty good core 80% and leave the, the 20%, right? Like to folks like <sighs> us, you know, to build that thing that needs to happen for that small set of customers who need it, yep. right? But it wouldn't make sense to, to include it for everybody. Hey folks, because of those technical difficulties earlier, unfortunately, Corey and I ran out of time for this recording. We just want to let you know how much we appreciate your listening, and we will see you on the next one. CJ and the Duke is hosted by Robert the Duke Fedoric and Corey CJ Wesley. We are both freelance vendor agnostic ServiceNow experts who can help you in three different ways. If you want a true consigliere in your corner for your ServiceNow implementation, if you want to tell your customer story on CJ and the Duke, or if you want your brand in front of the largest independent ServiceNow podcast community, check the links below for how to contact us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>